0: I tell you, it's a good day today. Christ is alive and risen. He's up in heaven, reigning. It's a good day. It's a good day. Well, as you know, I like to encourage you guys to always read the Word of God, and especially in light of today's message. Let me encourage you to read Psalms 34, verses 17 through 19. Psalm 34, 17 through 19. I encourage you guys, I hope you're praying with some, someone every day or as much as you can. Uh, I know it's hard at times, but you know if you can, pray with someone. And then lastly, I, I encourage you guys to pray about something specific that you can share the Word of God with someone. Share the Gospel. And we have these awesome little tracks in the back. As soon as you go out, go to your right. You can pick one up, hand it out to someone, give it to someone. Because the Gospel is good news, right? Amen. It's good news for everyone. So give it, give it to somebody. Let them know that Jesus is has come and died and is res- resurrected, and there is salvation. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time uh, of coming together. God, right now I just ask that uh, truly you convict our hearts uh, with sin in our life, Lord. We expose those sins. Uh, and God, it is so hard sometimes for us to even realize the sin that we're doing. We just find it so practical, so normal, so as a matter of fact, that's just the way life is. Help us, Lord, to truly see what the sins are in our life that your son has died for. So we can leave them and flee to you, Lord, and, and cling to the cross. And God, we ask too, Lord, that you be with all the churches, meeting whatever capacity around the world. God, because your, your word is so much bigger than just us, Lord. Your kingdom is so much bigger than just this room. It's, it's around the world. And you are saving people left and right. Even while we're sleeping, people are coming to know the name of Jesus. God, that is a good thing to know and sleep on and and wake up to. So God, we pray you be with all those Christians and missionaries and whatever, and pastors and leaders in whatever capacity, Lord. Encourage them, especially those who are under threat of governments who are literally risking their lives. Lord, be with them. And I pray that our prayers could be just a way of reminding us, Lord, that you are in control of all things and that all things are gonna work out for your glory. And Lord, help us then to Live out the faith consistently. Fill us with love, hope, and peace. So we can just truly just just honor you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, um, one thing that you can never dwell too much on, and uh, you never can devote your life too much to, or even speak too much on, or speak too much to others on, is the gospel message. Truly, You know, it is is good news for you and me. It's good news for all the people in the world. It states that God loves sinners so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for their sins. That's not something you hear in in the news today. That God sent his son paying the very debt that we owe. Taking the wrath that we deserved. That Christ then was, was... was, was dead, and then he was raised again three days later to give forgiveness and peace with God granting eternal life simply by having faith in Jesus. You know, this holy God wanted and wants to be with people who are sinful. I mean, you and I, no, get those people away from us. That, but that's not, God says, no, come to me, you wretched, evil, nasty people who have rejected me. This God wants to take people who are broken and selfish and self-centered, who only have their best interests at heart. This God loves those people and wants to change those people to be like his son, even though they fail him while he's doing it. And guess what? Those people are you and me. (laughs) Not just out there, they're in this room, sitting next to you. And you're looking at a great sinner right now. You know, God knows that we try to be bigger than we are. We try to be stronger than we are, smarter than we are, braver than we are, more courageous than we are. You know, we think we got it all together and we just end up messing things up. Might go good for a time, but then it just, you know, God knows all of this. And yet he still loves us and has done everything for us to be right with him, to stay right with him, and be brought to him when we die, all through having faith alone in Jesus. You know, that, this gospel is freeing because it just, it's exploding with this great freeing truth that God loves us so much that he has taken care of everything for us through His Son, so we can simply enjoy Him and worship Him and and just be overwhelmed by Him forever. You know, the burden of life, the burden of trying to make it, trying to establish yourself as somebody to somebody, the burden of establishing meaning and, and a sense of direction and purpose... You know, this burden of having others become something so you can get a sense of achievement in what you're doing with your life. I mean, you see that a lot with our children. You know, the exhaustion of always looking and trying to find in everything a sense of this feeling alive of, of being purposeful, a sense of establishment, of making some type of progress in your life so that you can face tomorrow because of what you've done today and make up for your past that burden and exhaustion is all done away with now in Jesus. You know, all of that has been taken care of for us in Christ through faith in Him. Christ has taken care of everything for us. The burden of getting everything right is not on you and me. It was all placed on Jesus. He's the one that fulfilled the law. His life was perfect. His life, his perfect life that we could never live. He lived it so we can be seen as having lived a perfect life. All by faith. That's it. So now then, by faith, by looking to Jesus for our everything, we can live our lives burden-free, free free from the worry of our failures and sins of the past, and burden-free from the worry and, and, and the concern of our failures and sins of tomorrow. We don't have to worry about it. For we are called to live by faith that our God in Jesus Christ has taken care of everything, all of our sins, and that we are no longer condemned, but are truly forgiven right now. And fully forgiven right now. We have been freed from sin's power over us, freed from the power of death looming over us. We don't have to fear death anymore. We're like, bring it. I just get to go be with Jesus. So now we're free to give ourselves away through encouraging each other in the Lord and and others in the Lord. We are free now to give ourselves away in serving each other in the Lord and serving others so that everyone can know and hear this freeing, restful gospel that so beautifully speaks about our gracious and loving Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's a good day to wake up because Jesus reigns. And we will live this way in all things if we just keep our eyes on Him and what He has done. For that is the promised consequence of having faith in Christ. God will and is working within us to walk in his ways, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's done it all. You just follow by faith. And in our, since we've been going over the book of Ephesians, Paul here in chapter 4 has been going over what the consequences of what a life looks like to the believer in Jesus Christ, or in Jesus Christ, and he basically will continue showing those consequences throughout the rest of this book to chap- through chapter six. Which, by the way, is why it's so important to read the word of God every day, or as much as you can, wherever you can, because it is the pri- one of the primary ways of God showing and encouraging you and me to know that His to know to know His Son, and how He is transforming you to be like Him. It is His primary primary way of saying He's got you. It's all going to work out in the end. Just trust in Him. Trust in His Word. He is always working with you through faith in His Son. He loves you as His own. You are His child. Just keep your eyes on Jesus and His finished works on your behalf. Keep His Gospel afresh in your mind. And guess what? You will do the very things that He's called you to do. But as we know that, that's the struggle in our life, right? Keeping Christ at the center, it's too easily we place ourselves at the center or place something else at the center, and sadly then we fall into sin. We forget how truly free we are in Christ. We forget how loving and gracious our Savior is and how He is our everything. And we think we have to do it all on our own, think that God is holding something back, He's holding something back from us, so we have to go out and get it. We have to do it ourselves instead of finding it all in Christ. So today we're going to go over chapter 4 and verse 30 then. And and our title says, why why should we flee from sin? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why, Why should I even just not sin? Right, I'm free anyway, so why should I not sin? He doesn't hold it against me. Well, Paul's going to to encourage us and give us an extraordinary reason as to why we should not follow the ways of sin, but rather follow the ways of God. Why we should always look to Christ for our everything and look to sin for nothing. So let's look at the text. Paul, in in the very first part of this verse, says in Ephesians 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, this this passage is (laughs) is a bit of a mind trip. Uh, when you really take it in and like think on it, because it exposes so much about our, our God and his relation with you and me, that and it, truly, it's hard for me to figure out where to start. But we're going to take like a thousand-foot view and then slowly narrow in on the details. And this brings us to our first point. Your sin does not affect you alone. So uh, notice that the holy spirit of god is a person this is very important here the holy spirit is not an energy or a mystical power that comes from god the holy spirit is a person to which we have a relationship with and interaction with right now as believers he is just as much as a person as god the father and god the son he is god the holy spirit So when Jesus, God the Son, says, for example, in John 14, verse 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He is speaking of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, not some mystical divine energy that comes to us through faith in Christ. Our God is is three persons, yet one God. Not three gods, but one God who is three distinct persons. For example, God the Son, who is Jesus Christ, he died on the cross, not God the Father, not God the Holy Spirit. Jesus alone died for our sins. That person of the Trinity was on the cross and not the other persons. Yet, there's only one God, not three. How that works, I don't know. But understand that any God you can fully explain is no greater than you, there does come to a point where we have to admit and bow in humility that our God is greater than us. For there is mystery to the Trinity, just like there is great mystery on how God is completely sovereign over everything, over our life and over the lives of others who are not even believers, and yet all are fully responsible for their own choices in this uh, this life. I don't know how God does that. Or even how God can use fallible, messed up, inconsistent men to write his infallible, inspired, inerrant word. I can hardly make a right grocery list. One's like, you forgot it. I'm like, ah. You know, such things we can explain to a point so we can know it. Our God is not, not irrational, and nor is the Christian faith irrational, in which we believe, I mean, he has revealed amazing, such amazing doctrines and truth to us in his word to know and understand and teach. It says in 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and is pro- and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training and righteousness that the man of God may be co- uh, uh, competent and equipped for every good work. But he has only revealed so much of his, in his word. And there's a point where you just have throw our hands up and say, only God knows. But anyways, with all that said, Paul is speaking here of, the, of a person, God the Holy Spirit, and only a person could be grieved. Energy, forces, non-person, rocks are not grieved. And you might say, okay, the whole, I get it. The Holy Spirit's a person and he's grieved. So what's so interesting about this? Well, think about it. In the context of this verse, in dealing how we live before God, He is saying there is a right way of living before God and a wrong way of living before God. And he's going to continue doing that through chapter 6. And Paul has been laying out the sinful ways of life in contrast to the right ways in God. And Paul has been saying that when we live according to sin, we hurt those around us and ourselves. It just brings about chaos. And we hurt people. But God adds another to that list that becomes hurt, if you will, which should really make us stop in our tracks. It's God himself. Paul here lays out all his cards on the table to say up front to us, to you and me. There's no beating around the bush. There's no hypothetical, abstract thoughts here. Paul's very blunt. and says that when we sin, we grieve our God and that for me is astronomical to think about and dumbfounding to me because god does not need me to be ha- does not need me for him to be happy he does not need us to be happy he's happy and joyful all on his own he is perfectly happy in himself god is three persons happily interacting with each other one god three persons perfectly fine He doesn't need you and me. His happiness is not dependent upon you and I. And yet, and yet, somehow, God allows himself to be affected in how you and I live. So much so that it grieves his heart when we sin. Again, how that works, this infinite God who has no beginning and no end and is perfect and holy and righteous and needs nothing. How that works, I don't know but I do know it's a very deep truth that needs not to be blown over. I mean, there is a real relationship between us and God, between you and God, through faith in Jesus Christ, and it's happening in real time right now as you sit there, and I stand here, and as you watch... God is not far off, but is so very near to you and so close to you, close enough to have His heart grieved by the very sins in your life. I mean, what you do as you go about your your life, like what you think and what you say and how you act, what attitudes come about, what you buy, what you click, what you hide, what goes on in your heart and mind, how you treat your family, how you treat your boss or your coworkers, what your eyes look at, how you treat the strangers, how you treat the neighbors in your neighborhood. That is never done in isolation. It's never done in a vacuum. It is never done alone, it is, but is always done now with God with you. So, it's important then to focus on the word grieve here in relation to him as we live our lives. Because it is a very relational word. It means that there is a deep relationship between us and God, whether you realize it or not now, through faith in Jesus. You are not a simple nobody anymore to him through faith in Christ. You are now his dearly and deeply loved child. And this word then carries, this word grief carries major insights in how we are to relate to God and how He relates to us then. See, we grieve, we grieve over people we love when they do wrong things. It grieves us. It grieves me when my son or daughter does something wrong. Our sin then grieves God because He loves us as His believers. He loves you individually, and when you're not following His ways, it breaks His heart. Why? Because again, He loves you as His own child, and He is personally taking care of you. Everything that goes on in your life is orchestrated by Him. And when you sin, He's like, why? You have me. So understand that God the Father sent His Son out of His unconditional love for you. And God the Son came and died out of His unconditional love for you. And God the Holy Spirit dwells with you out of His unconditional love for you through faith in Christ. So Paul here is saying to these Ephesians and to us, flee from your sin. Stop being okay with your sins. Stop making excuses and justifying them. Stop trying to be so independent in yourself and rather be fully dependent upon God and His ways because God loves you. And when you sin, it grieves His heart. It grieves Him. So in, the, in, these, in these last chapters of Ephesians, right, or these last, ver- these last chapters, last verses that we've been going over, these things aren't check-off lifts of sins, not to do, of do's and don'ts. Christianity is not based in do's and don'ts. You know, you've heard me say that. It's not a checkoff list. We always want lists. It's not a list. No, Christianity is based in a relationship in knowing our Lord and Savior by faith alone and falling in love with Him as we see how amazingly deep His love is for us. And that becomes our motivation to not want to sin. It's not out of fear, It's not out of guilt, but out of gratitude towards him and and his love for us. And this brings us to our second and last point. Why flee from sin? God's love for you is unconditional. Now what needs to be said to really help us see how amazing this passage is and kind of bring us deeper into it, is that when you really dive here into this verse you will eventually end up seeing that Paul is alluding or referencing an Old Testament passage when he speaks about grieving the Holy Spirit. This is not like a new thing. Uh, He is generally referring to Isaiah chapter 63, verses 7 through 14. I recommend you read it. But specifically, he's referring to verse 10 of 63. So in summary of that Isaiah chapter or at least in that section, it speaks of God out of his love, saving the Israelites out of Egypt and bringing them into the promised land. But in verse 10, for a time it says, but they rebelled, sinned, sinned and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy and he and himself fought against them. And that word enemy is hostile towards them. The Israelites under Moses, under the Old Covenant, when God brought them out of Egypt, they rebelled against God. You can read all about it in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They sinned, and they kept on sinning, and it grieved the Holy Spirit who was amongst them. And then God, in turn, became their enemy. That's not me, that's what the text says. Hostile for a time. Even though, eventually, he did deliver them over to the Promised Land. Graciously, he did that. Eventually. That's interesting stuff when you think about it. Like, ooh. like an I Love Lucy moment. Ooh. They grieved God's Holy Spirit through their sin, and he came after them and fought against them for a bit. He became their enemy. And when you read that, and then you look back at Ephesians, this passage where Paul says, Stop grieving the Holy Spirit! Meaning that that's what these Ephesians were doing, these believers were doing. You might think, well, will God turn against them like he did in the Old Testament against the Israelites for a little bit of time? Or well, more specifically, who cares about them? What about me? Will God turn against me and you if we keep grieving his spirit now as believers? I mean, what about our struggles with sin? Like, like our addictions, our lust, our pride, our worry, our anger, our fear, our doubt, our jealousy, so on and so on. But, 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 but Paul answers that question quite directly. He says, no, no. God will not become your enemy. For he says, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, Paul says the Holy Spirit now in our life, he is the seal, he is the guarantee, he is the down payment, if you will, that we are fully restored to God to be in his favorable presence always, even if we do grieve him along the way. The gospel's good news. Its burden is light. He, the Holy Spirit, He is there to make sure Christ's finished works for us will bring us to the day of redemption, the day when all finally comes to an end and the judgment of God comes. He is the guarantee that all the anger and the wrath that was once directed towards us because of our sin was fully placed upon Jesus on the cross now and forever. Paul is saying here then, (laughs) stop sinning, Because God will be and is faithful to you to make sure you don't have to face His wrath. To make sure you don't have to face face His wrath now or at the end when the judgment comes. You don't have to face it. You are free from it. Christ faced it all for you. The Spirit is there to remind you of that, that you have been freed from the power of sin and death now. You are truly free in Christ. See, Paul doesn't say don't grieve the Spirit because He will leave you to try to motivate us to flee from our sin. That would be out of fear or punishment from God. And 1 John 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. <laughs> you don't have to be afraid. No, he says don't grieve the Spirit because He is always with you now unconditionally. And He loves you unconditionally. And because of that, He will bring you to heaven. He will bring you to be with God forever, even if and as He is grieved by your sin along the way to get you home, you are sealed. He won't let you go You have been sealed through him and by him. So even as you let go of him at times, he will not let go of you. You are his now and all has been taken care of by Jesus Christ. This gospel is good news. Look, if you want to see what I'm trying to get at, it's this. Paul is appealing to our heart before God by appealing to God's heart over us. See, the ultimate reason why we, should not, we would want to flee from our sins, repent of our sins, is not that it hurts us or others. I mean, it's a good reason. You know, don't do it. But, but that will just lead to moralism. And guess what? There's a lot of people who are moralistic out there who aren't even Christian. But the ultimate reason and motivation for us to flee from our sins is that it breaks our God's heart. Who loves us so much, for he sent his son to die for all those sins that we do. God's faithful to us, even though we as Christians fail Him every day as the parents were called to be, as the husbands and wives were called to be, as the church members were called to be, as the witnesses to the world around, uh, around us that were called to be. God doesn't hold these things against us anymore, even as we fail Him, and now He just loves us as His children through faith in Christ, and that great, unfathomable love for us as sinners should in turn motivate us all the more to run to Him to help us flee from our sins so that we can follow Him in all things so we don't grieve His heart. And if that's not an issue for you, then maybe maybe you need to rethink where you are with Christ, especially in relation to your sins. And the primary way of us Doing that, of of going to Him and, and, and fleeing from our sins to know what the sins are, is by going to His Word, going to Bible studies, listening to sermons, speaking about His Word to each other, because we don't want to grieve Him with our sins if we can help it. For our hearts have been changed now by faith in Christ, and we are alive as compared to being dead and not caring about it. The world doesn't care if it grieves its heart. They don't care about the heart of God. He is not our enemy anymore, but our loving God who loves, who loves you as his own and sent his son to die for you so you can be with him forever. And by keeping Christ and his gospel at the center, you open yourself up to see the Holy Spirit already working within you on your specific issues and sins that need to be done away with or you know repented of. And you will realize and be moved by him through his word so that you don't end up so that you do end up following in Christ in your life in whatever context you're in. Because your relationship where sin has been changed now, whether you realize it or not. So whether that's a radical change where you just kind of get up and walk away from sins, I mean, that happens. Or where this is primary the way, whether it's a radical change in attitude towards the sin that you're struggling with. Though it may be persistent in your life, there's an attitude change that you just don't like it anymore. It becomes disgusting to you even though you fall into it or you become convicted of it. You will see that the Holy Spirit is there helping you and comforting you to know that you are fully forgiven now and loved through faith in Christ. And he will come to you to remind you that your sins are no longer your identity. You are not defined by what you do or don't do anymore, good or bad, but are defined now solely by whom you believe, and that's Jesus Christ. When you go to the word of God by faith in Christ, you will be open to seeing him remind you and promote your freedom in Christ that you have, that Christ has achieved everything for you and all you will ever need before God. And consequently, then, you will end up living out and trusting in all that Christ has done for you and given you already. And you'll begin living life to the call that you're called to and following his ways in whatever it is. And it may be that you have to realize that you have to apologize to someone, forgive someone, stop being so critical of everyone and being encouraging in the Lord instead. Or give up something for the Lord that makes you lust, fear, or doubt, or, or, or causes anger. Or maybe you need to be a good steward with your finances to, your, to his glory and his kingdom rather than your own. Or maybe just more loving and patient with your family or with those around you. Be a little bit more gracious. Stop having everyone meet your standards and realize you can't even meet God's standards without Jesus, so what are you doing with others? Whatever it is, you will end up doing it because your heart will be ch- is changed and you will want to follow after God. And, and here's the thing, you may not even realize that you're doing it in those moments until after it happens. For the work of the Holy Spirit through faith in Christ is working on your heart to be more like Christ and reflect his glory every day in all things to all people, even if you don't realize it. For by his grace, he is with us and changing us through faith in Christ. He has done all, because Christ has done all the work and achievements for us to be transformed by by God through his Holy Spirit. Or as one person said this, grace means you have one who is committed to your ongoing transformation even at the times when you are not. Praise God for the good news, huh? So I pray that you remember this next time when you're tempted to sin, or at least knowingly. Remember, it grieves God's heart when your hand reaches or your heart reaches or that word's about or that thought just grieves God's heart. But His heart is bigger than your sin. And even if you end up doing it, he won't leave you. He will stay with you because he loves you, because Christ has done it all for you by faith in him, and you can rest in that. I pray that encourages you to rest in Christ's finished work and seek him to find all of your needs today and tomorrow and flee from your sins. For it's truly finished in Christ, so you can rest. And I pray maybe you take that news to someone else to say, hey, there's freedom. Let me tell you about him. His name's Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for revealing this deep truth that our lives really do make a difference to you, that you truly care about what we do, that that one time act of Christ coming to die and being resurrected again, has everlasting consequences and effects in real time to us, that it's ongoing, that that love that was seen on the cross is still with us now. Help us, Lord, to be a people who don't grieve your heart. Help us to be a people who rest in the finished work of your Son. And help us take that message to those who need to know you and God, right now, I pray if someone doesn't know you, whether online or in this room, that they come to know you right now to know that Jesus has paid it all. And they just need to trust in you. God, if there's husband or wives or grandparents or individual singles, Lord, that are struggling with sins and relational issues or just personal struggles of lust or pride or worry or doubt, Lord, remind them that even as they fail you, you still love them and your love does not leave. Because Christ's finished work was a one and done deal, and they are fully sealed by faith alone in, in, in by your Son. And the Holy Spirit is there to remind them of that. Help them see that, Lord. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. If you'd like to pray with one of the deacons or one of the deacon's wives, please come on up. Let's stand as we sit